The process of landing investment banking job offers can often feel like a black box, which leads to confusion and anxiety for most of the candidates going through it. Hey, my name is Sam Shaw, and I'm the founder of Wall Street Mastermind. I've personally coached numerous students on how to successfully break into top-tier investment banks, including Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, JP Morgan, Centerview, Evercore, and PJT Partners, just to name a few. On this podcast, I'm going to help you demystify the investment banking recruiting process by sharing what the clients of Wall Street Mastermind have done to get results like these. Enjoy this episode. Hey guys, if you like the content on this episode today, I want you to go and click the subscribe button to make sure that you get all of our future episodes as well because we've been putting out multiple episodes every single week to help you break into the top investment banks in the world. Okay, so I want to make sure that you don't miss any of the content. Now today I want to talk about how to decide which investment banks to work for, okay? Um, And there are a lot of factors to consider here, uh, but we get this question a lot. Um, First things first though, I would say, look, if you can get into one of the top investment banks, um, you're in great shape, right? Uh, a lot of times, most people can only get one offer when they go through the recruiting process. Actually, most people don't get any offers, right? Um, and then of the people that get offers, a lot of them only get one offer. So it's very rare that you're going to end up in a situation where you have multiple offers to choose from. Of course, it can happen. I'm not saying it never happens. But... Um, it's going to be pretty rare, right? And part of the reason that's rare is because one, um, each firm individually only accept about anywhere from one to 3% of the applicant pool, at least if you're talking about the top banks, right? But also because all the top banks tend to recruit at slightly different times. So the offers are not going to come out around the same time usually, right? So once you get this offer, uh, the first offer, typically they're not going to give you a lot of time to decide if you want the offer or not. You know, they call that an exploding offer. Like, you know, they'll give you, they maybe give you a couple of days, right? But you're not going to, and they also don't want you, it's kind of by design. They don't want you to take the offer that they give you and then go shop it around with their competitors to try to get a better offer, right? So point being, a lot of times you might not even get multiple offers, in which case it doesn't really matter, right? You just take the, you're just going to take the first offer you get that you're actually happy with, okay? Um, however, let's say you do have multiple offers. In that case, how do you choose between those offers? Or even, even if you don't have any offers yet, maybe you're just starting out and you're trying to decide which banks you should even apply to or which banks you should focus on more. Um, then, you know, we're, we're going to talk about kind of like a framework that's going to help you think through that. So for me personally, how I thought through this decision was a couple, there's a couple different um, factors, right? There's one, the size of the firm and the prestige of the firm, right? So by size of the firm, I mean, Generally speaking, you can kind of break them down into um, elite boutiques, both bracket banks and middle market banks, and there's also regional boutique banks, right? Um, in general, for most people, elite boutiques and both bracket banks are uh, the most prestigious, right? Because they work on the biggest deals, um, both in terms of quantity and in terms of the size of the deals and you know the quality of the companies that they're advising, right? And so um, those are typically going to be the most prestigious. Um, and obviously, both racket banks are the biggest in terms of like headcount and the size of the bank. And the middle market banks, they still do some pretty big deals, um, but they're kind of like a step down in terms of like maybe instead of doing deals that are hundreds of millions of dollars to billions to tens of billions of dollars, they're doing deals that are tens of millions of dollars to hundreds of millions of dollars, right? Or maybe like on the high end, they might do like one or two billion dollar deals. 
but probably not much greater than that, right? So still really awesome deals to work on, don't get me wrong, um, but they are a step below in terms of uh, the the prestige factor and also the the size of the deals, right? Now, so that's one, right? You got to understand, and, and this one is pretty straightforward, to be honest. Like most people, if they could, they would rather work for either a bold bracket or a lead boutique bank, right? And between a bold bracket and a lead boutique bank, you got to think about, do you want like a more, I guess, uh, diversified experience where you get to work on both M&A and capital raises, in which case you probably want to go to a bulge bracket bank. Or if you say, hey, I only want to do M&A deals or I only want to do restructuring deals, that's what the elite boutiques are focused on uh, for the most part. And then so maybe going to an elite boutique would be better for you, right? Um, and also, like, obviously, elite boutiques, they have less headcount, uh, smaller teams, uh, supposedly a bit leaner. And so you're going to get a slightly different experience um, as a junior person than if you were at, you know, a huge bank like Goldman Sachs or Morgan Stanley or JP Morgan, right? Flip side of that, though, is if you're, unless you're working in finance, you're probably not going to know what a lot of these elite boutiques are. So meaning your mom, your dad, your friends, like other people outside of finance and also in the future when you apply to other jobs and other industries, if you don't stay in banking, Everybody's heard of Goldman Sachs or JP Morgan or Morgan Stanley, right? They'll know what that is, right? They might not know what a Centerview or an Evercore or a PJT Partners is because they didn't work on Wall Street, okay? It's not a good or a bad thing. It's just a trade-off that you have to make. Now, so that's one. The second thing is exit opportunities, which is kind of related to the first thing that I talked about. Typically, the bigger the firms, but the more prestigious the firm, um, the better the exit opportunities are going to be, right? Uh, but, but that's primarily... On the buy side, like if you want to go into something like private equity or hedge funds or venture capital um, and you want to go into the top funds, then you want to make sure that you have the biggest and most prestigious banks possible because a lot of those buy side firms will only hire people from certain banks and certain groups at those banks. Okay. Now, if you don't want to go that route, maybe you just want to stay in banking or you want to go to a different, uh, you want to go corporate or whatever, then I don't think that matters as much, but also... Even then, if you think about exit opportunities, you want to be thinking about like, what do you want to do? Like, for example, if you want to work in the tech industry after banking, you probably want to do tech banking, right? If you want to work in consumer and retail, you probably want to work in uh, the consumer uh, and retail group in banking, right? If you want to work in oil and gas, you probably want to work in uh, the energy group in banking, right? And so you have to think about banking, not just as like in a silo, but also as a stepping stone to whatever you decide to do later on down the road. Okay. Um, the third factor is compensation. Obviously, how much you get paid. Um, some firms will pay slightly higher than others. Elite boutiques tend to pay the most because, again, they're smaller, right? And the deals they're doing is, are just as big. So they have um, like similar size bonus pools split amongst fewer people, which means they can pay their people better, right? But I, I think personally, for me at the junior level, like that's not going to be my number one consideration when it comes to picking which firm to work for because. The difference between you making 120 or 130,000 versus you making 150 or $170,000, I mean, it's sizable, it's, it's material, but it's also not like life-changing, right? I would rather personally uh, play the long game. I'm gonna go to the bank. This is how I thought about it back then, at least. I'm gonna go to the bank that gives you the best long-term career opportunities, right? So I personally would prioritize exit opportunities over compensation, but that's just me. There's no right or wrong here. Everybody's different. Okay. Um, or you say, I want to be a banker for life. I don't care about these opportunities. So maybe, you know, that's not even a consideration for you. Right. But I would caution you that a lot of times it's really, really hard to know if you want to be an investment banker for the rest of your life until you've actually done the job. 
right? So just don't try, try not to jump to that conclusion too quickly. Okay. Um, and then the last thing I would say is like the people and the culture, right? Typically I rank this the lowest. Um, but again, there's no right or wrong here. You might rank this higher. Um, but the reason why I rank this the lowest is because in my experience, what I found is that when you meet the people at all these different banks, as you're going through the interview process, it's really, really, really hard to tell which firm has a better culture, which firm has a worse culture, or, you know, who, who has the better people, who do you get along with more? I mean, sure, you can get a little bit of sense of that from the interactions you have with them throughout recruiting, but most of the time, if you're recruiting with them and you're still a candidate, everybody's going to be pretty nice to you, right? Most people aren't going to be complete assholes, and so, like, who knows what's going to happen after you actually work there, right? Like, culture is one of those things that's really, really hard to get a feel for unless you've actually worked there. Of course, you can intern there for a summer, and if you realize that the culture there is absolutely horrible and you want to switch, sure, take that into account because, look, your happiness is important, right? But for me also, like, again, the other factor to think about when it comes to this decision is, like, do you see yourself staying in banking for the rest of your career or is this, like, kind of a two-year thing? Because it's just a two-year thing, then I would say, like, it's not as big of a deal how much you like the people or not because even if you don't like the people, you can suck it up and just, you know, go through those two years. Like I, I, I would still personally take the group with the better exit opportunities, maybe a slightly worse culture, or maybe it's a slightly more of a sweatshop. I'm just suck it up. Uh, but I personally have a high pain tolerance. So I don't know about you, but I would suck it up. I would get the better exit opportunity and then I'm, and then I'm gone, right? I'm off to bigger and better things, right? But if you say again, like I'm trying to make a career out of this, I want to stay at this bank for a long time. Then, then culture is obviously a lot more important and getting along with the people is a lot more important, right? So um, it's just that, again, it's really, really hard in my experience to suss out the culture and the people. Um, so, you know, you can do some research online. You can go on forums and stuff, ask people who have worked there previously but are no longer working there. They might be more candid with you and give you more honest feedback. But other than that, there's a limited amount of stuff that you could do there. So it's just not something that... Um, I put too much weight in when I'm making this decision. Okay, so hopefully that helps you guys. Obviously, I know this is an important decision for you guys as you're thinking about where you want to start your career. But again, the most important thing is to get the offer first. And then if you have multiple offers, you can cross that bridge when you get there. Right? Until you get the offers or until you get multiple offers, don't spend too much time thinking about this. Okay? Thanks for listening to this episode. Interested in discovering how you can get personalized one-on-one coaching from Wall Street Mastermind to help you beat out the massive amount of competition out there? Head on over to www.wallstreetmastermind.com slash apply. And the street is abbreviated to ST, so it's really wall, stmastermind.com slash apply. And our team looks forward to speaking with you.